we've been uh, trying to catch up, and you've been hunting Colorado and then Arizona, and I've been at the Ot Six Ranch. And uh, buddy, it's good to hear your voice. Yeah, same here, man. I, it, it's kind of good to take a breather. It's been a it's been a grind of a season so far. So it is. It's it's nice to sit, relax a little bit, and talk and uh, catch up. Yeah, um, for our listeners out there. I'm actually trying a new phone system here, so this is the first podcast, so you may have to um, bear with us a little bit here. Um, But Chris, the last time we talked, you were headed to Colorado for your own personal hunt um, in in Colorado, archery hunt. Uh, Why don't we start there? Um, Tell us how it went. Uh, You know, go through the whole thing. Sure. Yeah, this this year was a little different for me in that I had uh, two different groups of, uh, well, one, the first group was uh, some friends, close friends of mine that I had not hunted with in years. Uh, we used to hunt the same area uh, year after year after year, and then we just kind of just kind of went our separate ways. He, you know, he's out of state, he's from Michigan, and so for for a number of years there, he, he wasn't coming out, and, and we weren't hunting the same area, so we just hadn't hunt, hunted together before. So he decided he was going to come out with his son and a friend of his, and so I said, you know what, it'd be just nice to get everybody together. So Kelly, my wife, uh, came down, she came to camp, brought the horses to camp. I mean, it was kind of a one big last hurrah to get everybody together and go down memory lane and just to hunt together again. So that was a, a week hunt there. And then... Uh, my uncle and cousin were coming out, the the ones that were out hunting with me last year, opening week, uh, the the young kid that killed that giant bull last year. Um, so they were coming out, and I told them, you know, since they wanted to come out opening week, and but I told them since there was going to be other folks there, and I said, it's just going to be crowded. I said, why don't you guys come the second week? So they came the second week, and we just stayed in the same area. So this is the first year that I literally kind of put down roots in one spot for a solid two weeks uh, in the same area and just didn't move around. Usually I'm kind of bouncing around to wherever the elk are, where the action is. And this year we just kind of set up camp and we just stayed for two weeks and, and grounded out. It was, it was tough. Um, it was tough to find mature bulls. That's the, that's the big one. I mean, there was definite elk in there. There was young bulls all over the place. Uh, there were cows, uh, you know, and, and there was at least four or five different groups of cows that we were able to identify, but it just seemed like the big, the mature bulls just did not, um, come in like they, they normally do. We had a, uh, you know, I had a small five by six opening day that I could have shot. I passed on him, uh, I think by day six or whatever, I had another small, you know, five by five come in point blank. I mean, right in my lap and just passed on him, but just kept waiting for those mature bulls to show up. And, they, you know, we had one opportunity. Uh, Larry had one opportunity at probably about a 330 bull, 330, 340 bull, came in cranking, just screaming, went, grabbed one of the group of cows and just kept right on going. I mean, he just blazed in, blazed out, gone. Um, so that was that week. So we all of us got skunked that first week. And... You know, I'd just been passing, you know, I'd passed those two small bulls. And then when Tom and Abe came in, I uh, kind of shifted focus to see if we could get, get on, you know, even even for Abe, he didn't care if it was a, you know, 4x5, 5x5, 5x6, something like that. Um, boy, just 
they weren't talking, just couldn't, I mean, just could not get anything to break loose. Finally, the second to last, well, no, it was the last morning that they had uh, an opportunity to hunt. Uh, finally, the bulls started bugling, and, and we got two really nice bulls, one real big 5x5 five five, uh, bugled. We set up. I dropped back, started calling, and this thing came in on, I mean, he just, he was, he was, he was a dead bull. He, I mean, he was probably a 300 class, 5x5, five five, real heavy, real dark antler, just a beautiful, beautiful 5, mature 5, um, got to 70 yards, and it was just trucking right on in. Those guys were set up. Abe had an arrow knocked and was ready to just send it, and wind switched 180, and it looked like you just smacked him across the nose with a baseball bat. I mean, he just, it just locked him up. He just wheeled around and boom, back up the side of the mountain, button hooked around and, and caught up with a handful of cows that he had up on the side of the hill. Well, as we're sitting there watching him and trying to figure out what's going on and what the heck just happened, because I mean, heck, it, was, it should have been a dead bull. Um, we're sitting there and I thought I had heard another bull below me. Well, sure enough, all of a sudden, out from underneath us, you know, completely out of position now and, and well out of range, out from underneath us comes this nice 6x6, six six, probably a 300-class 6x6, six same heavy, dark, orange, just beautiful. He snuck right around us and right underneath us, and he went straight to that 5x5 five five and went up on the knob that he, the 5x5 five five was on, and they tussled a little bit. It was one of those, and you've seen it, Jay, where, you know, and I, I think, Probably the listeners have probably seen that video of the two bulls. You know, one's on one side of the guardrail and the other one's on the other guardrail. But, yeah, fight you know, these, Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what happened with these guys. They go up there and there's this one tiny little blowdown. It's probably about a five-inch diameter. You know, old dead. But boy, oh boy, you know, both of them they bluff charging each other. Boy, there's you're lucky that this log is in between this other. I I'd kick your butt. And so they bluff charged each other a couple times back and forth through that little blowdown. And, and then finally the 5x5, five five, it looked like the 5x5 five five kicked the 6x6 six six off the knob. But the 6x6 six six is the one that went down the hill with a cow. <laughs> so all of a sudden here comes the 5x5 five five again back up on the knob. But he's all by himself. And I, I looked at the guys. I'm like, that's a dead bull. We can kill him now. So here we go, set back up on him again and, and start calling. And sure enough, I mean, he kind of disappears through the thick. And, I mean, it just seemed like forever. So Tom dropped back, got back to the point where he could kind of glass and see what was going on. And, I mean, it just dragged on and on and on and on. And then it was just, I think it was just one of those frustration things. And this is, you're going to hear this here in a second. Um, it just, you know, now we're talking two weeks of grinding. You know, I'm, I've been two weeks of grinding, and we've just been trying to struggle out to get, you know, even a shot. Um, and most of the other guys, you know, other folks that were hunting in the air, I mean, it was just packed with people, just slammed with people, and anybody that had, had killed anything, they just, they were killing cows, you know, they just, they, no one else was getting on bulls, and so here we've got an opportunity at two really smoking, good-looking bulls, and it just was dragging on, and, and I, I just, I think I just... I, was, I guess I was tired, or I just lost patience. I don't know. I just made a stupid call, and I was like, you know what? We're not communicating. I don't know where Tom is. I don't, you know, I don't know where this bull is. I, I think he's, I, I thought the bull had dropped over this little saddle. No, the bull was about 80 yards away, just 
below us and just slowly working his way in. So I stood up, made a couple moves to go back up the hill because I had forgotten one of my calls up there, and I turned around and the bull's just standing there looking at us. If we had just waited, he probably would have worked his all the you know worked his way in. Now to be fair, um, the corridor that he was on would have probably put him about 80 yards away, and, and that's a little too far for either of us to feel comfortable with you know taking a shot, but. I think that bull was coming in, but, okay, so there we, we bumped him, blew him out. So there goes that day. Um, couldn't find it, you know, we went back in there that evening. Sure enough, they were, the both bulls were in the, you know, up in, but they just weren't talking until pretty much right at dark. So next morning, Tom and, and Abe had to leave, so they we packed up, said our goodbyes that night. I headed back up the mountain to go back after those one of those bulls that next morning. Sure enough, bulls up there bugling. I set up, start calling. Bam, called us. I mean, he's a he was a nice five. And, you know, in hindsight, twenty twenty. Should I have shot him? Probably. You know, if I needed to fill the freezer, uh, we've got plenty of meat in the freezer, so I don't need to kill an elk. But it was one of those ones where I mean, it was right. Ne- I mean, it would have been a stupidly easy pack out. I mean, he was a dead bull, and I decided to pass him because I wanted that 6x6. Six six. Got greedy. I passed him. Went up the canyon after where, and it's a nasty, nasty canyon. And at this point, I'm, I'm literally on my last day of my hunt, and I told myself, I said, you know, I really probably shouldn't go up this canyon, but I really want to know where the 6x6 six six is. And if I go up this canyon and if I hunt, I really probably ought to end my hunt at no later than about 3 p.m. Because otherwise, there's just no way I'm going to be able to get it broke down, staged, and then packed out the next day so I can get down here to Arizona. So, long story short, about 3.10 p.m., bull bugles up on the side of the hill. I'm like, nah. Of course, yeah. right after the drop-dead date. Yeah, which which at that point I'm like, well, that's kind of negotiable, you know. I mean, it's really not that big of a, you know. Now all of a sudden I rationalize it's not that bad of a pack out three miles through blowdowns. So I'm like, well, what the hell, you know? What, what I'll, I'll just call them in and let's just see. So I and at this point most of the responses uh, were coming from, and most of the action was coming from bull vocalizations, not you know, not just. You know what people say? Challenge view, not challenges. Just bull vocalizations, contact bugles. Just sounded like another bull in their area. It was mostly a kind. It still seemed like a very much a pre-rut sort of a scenario where the bulls were just curious about other bulls. Um, so I bugle, he responds. I give him a little bit of you know just nice bull vocalizations back. Just kind of moans, just a little whine, a little squeal. And as I'm standing there, and I'm literally just standing, I'm exhausted, standing there looking around, I'm like, where should I set up? And I look off to my left, and there's a perfect spot to set up. I mean, perfect, you know, we talked about the doorway principle, the whole nine yards. I'm like, that is where I need to set up. And then I hear a snap, crack, pop over to my right. And so I'm like, well, was that another elk? Was that another bull? Is that a squirrel? I don't know. So here we are. Indecision is a terrible thing. So I'm standing there trying to make a decision on what I want to do, knowing full well if I was smart, I would go to my left and get set up in the, like, premier, that is the spot that I need to set up on because if anything comes in, I will have cover. I'm, in, you know, basically in the doorway. That's where I need to go. But yet, I hesitate. 
And so as I hesitate, I'm like, well, but yet, and all of a sudden, snap, crack to my left, and I turn around, and here's this 6 by 6 standing there, 30 yards. Now I can't move. He starts to swing around. I have just enough time to get an arrow knocked and get the, my release on the string. The camera's rolling, but the camera's not even remotely pointed at the bull. I'm completely caught with my pants down. Now I really don't have a good shot opportunity, but I do have a hole, right? You know, if the bull continues on in, I've got a hole to my left, and I've got plenty of opportunity to my right. Well, sure enough, the bull, and he stands there forever. I finally just a little voice, you know, just to kind of give him just a little moan, a little chuckle with my voice. He keeps coming. And that's when it just fell apart. Um, this is the first time in my elk hunting career I have lost a bull, personally, that I know is probably dead. Um, I did the two things that you never do, uh, that I tell people to never do, that I teach people to never do, and not only did I do them, I did them at the exact same time. Um, you executed think, them perfectly? <laughs> oh, oh yeah. You know, sometimes the best lessons in life are what not to do. And then the other thing that, that you know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a lover of quotes. And so sometimes the best, thing, best lessons in life are what not to do. And then the other one is, smart man learns from his mistakes. A wise man learns from the mistakes of others. So here you go, folks. Never, ever, 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 ever shoot a bull that is walking, especially if he's walking fast and he's walking fast down the side of a mountain, like as in dropping off steep slope, steep bench. He's coming up. So this bull starts Wait, walking. Is he, is he dropping off coming at you like he's aggressively coming? He's, what he's doing is he's following a trail around. He's, he, there's a bunch of blowdowns, and it's not from where he was. Direct line to me was just crap. But there was a corridor where he could swing around my left, but he had to drop off this little knob a little bit and then swing around the left. So when he dropped to swing and come, it put him broadside but dropping. Does that make sense? Yeah. So he's dropping, and my, the whole, I mean, I, I'm looking, I'm looking 15 yards. So I always tell people, you know, there's some people who say, oh, yeah, I always have a mouth diaphragm, you know, give them a mew or whatever. Well, I've actually seen where just doing a cow call sometimes doesn't stop them. So what I usually do is just, I, and then you got to fidget with your mouth call or whatever. I just voice chuckle at them. And I, it, it always, at that range, it always works. They just stop and they just look. So always, I mean, I'm telling you, I always just give them a, oh, 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 and just, and they'll stop and they'll look and they just eat an arrow. I don't know why I didn't do it. I have no clue at this moment or even that moment or even, I don't know. I don't know why I didn't stop him, but Is I didn't stop Is that the second him. mistake? No, that's the first mistake for not stopping him. Okay. The next mis mistake was yanking on the trigger of my release like, like I, I don't a chainsaw. Even, <laughs> good, yes, there you go. I was starting a lawnmower or a chainsaw. I might, I might as well have just freaking wound back and just ha ha. I might as well. I, I don't know what your I bow did. At him. 
Dude, I would have been better off. I would have been better off. That arrow came out of that bow sideways. I mean, I had so much of a kick on that arrow. It was the most horrifically executed shot I've ever made in my life. And, of course, the arrow slams into him. It hit him high and back. And it, when it, because there was a kick, that arrow went in and swoop, and just knifed in him. And it buried, but the arrow didn't come out. So I don't know where the arrow, I mean, it, it just didn't come out. So, of course, the bull crashes to the bottom. And, and, you know, it was only about a 20-yard slope. And then it just you know, kind of leveled out below me. And so he stopped at the bottom there. And I'm thinking, okay, he stopped. It's, you know, in, in, you've been there. I mean, whether it's clients or yourself or whatever, you know when a shot is bad. You know, when it's bad. I mean, there's, just, there's no question. As soon as that shot went off, as soon as that arrow hit, I was like, what have you done? And so I'm standing there waiting, 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 and then all of a sudden the wind starts to get a little shifty, and I'm like, I know the bull is just standing right there below me. It was, it was high and back. I'm like, you know what? I've got, one, I've, got, I've got two choices right now. I can either just stand here, wait till it gets dark, or wait, wait till it, just stand here and not do anything and wait for him either to bed down, wait for him to move off, or whatever. Or I could try to get another arrow into it. Well, if the wind had been, you know, consistent, like blowing up the canyon and blowing up, you know, blowing, if the wind had been consistent, I would have just stayed put and given him some time. But the wind starts swirling, shifting. I'm like, if this thing catches my wind, he's done. He's gone. I said, well, I'm going to try to sneak around, and I'm going to see, because there was another corridor there that I could, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get another arrow in it. Well, that didn't work. I, I laid eyes on him. I mean, I, I saw him. I, he was right there. But by the time I could kind of get myself in position for another shot, sure enough, what I thought was going to happen happened. The wind switched, blew right at him. He whipped his head around, put his head up, and, you know, nose in the air, and just boom, 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 just trotted object while well, he just kind of cantered off just right out through, and this is all old growth, mature pine, so it's just nothing but pine needles. So at first, you know, he kicked up some, you know, you could see some really good tracks, and then he just disappeared into the grass, you know, the, the, the deep grass, and gone. So went, gave it some time, gave it an hour, went down, started looking for blood, found two drops of blood. One was probably about the size of the end of my thumb, Next one was probably about the size of the end of my pinky, and it was just a smear on a leaf, and that was it. And then followed the tracks for probably 80 yards, and then they just vanished because there was just so many other cows and, and young bulls in the area. I mean, it just it was just tracks, and, and his just did not stand out from anything. So I spent the rest of the afternoon into the evening looking, trying to just kind of suss out what, you know, where he might have gone, what direction. I was like, you know what, I'm just going to back out of here, mark it, back out of here, come back in the morning, and hopefully get on him. Because, I mean, you know, I folks have probably watched my YouTube stuff. They saw that High Country Redemption video that's on YouTube. I made a great shot, I thought, on that bull. This was years and years ago. One, but, but he was quartering hard away, and so it was, a, it was a liver and one lung, which a lot of people, you know, okay, yeah, if you, usually if you get one lung, they can go a long ways. But if you punch the liver in one lung, they usually die pretty quick. Well, no. I found the bull 16 hours later alive and was able to, you know, get another arrow in him and, and recover the bull and didn't lose an ounce of meat. So in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, okay, 
I think this is going to be a dead bull, but it just may take him a little bit, which sucks. But if I do my job right, I should should be able to kind of I should be able to find them. Even if I can't find blood, can't find tracks, I know where they're generally going to try to bed. I I think I can pick some stuff apart. Well, next morning I get up, start in, and the dew on all the vegetation was so heavy, it's literally dripping off the vegetation. I'm thinking, goodness gracious, if I start going and walking around with this much moisture on stuff, I'm just going to wipe any blood off. I'm just going to, yeah, I'm not even going to pick it up. I said, the best thing I can probably do is just wait until the dew kind of dries, and then whatever blood was there will dry back on that vegetation, and hopefully I can pick it up. So that's what I did. I just kind of sat back, just waited till the sun came up, waited till, till everything dried out. Meanwhile, I'm listening. I'm listening for bears chewing on something. I'm listening for coyotes, you know, tearing into something. I'm listening for ravens. Meanwhile, you know, days, I was in this area like three days before. There's vultures flying around. There's ravens going all over the place. This morning, cricket. The place is dead. There's not a bird in the sky. There's not a, there's nothing moving. It's just one of those dead mornings. So I'm like, well, I'm just going to wait till the dew, you know, kind of dries off, and then I'll, then I'll pick this thing apart. So it does. I get back in there, find my stuff, start trying to pick things apart, find more tracks. Okay, he went this way. I think this, eh, maybe this is him. And all of a sudden I hear a rumble, rumble, look up. Here comes a thunderstorm. 30 minutes later, we, I get pelted with a torrential downpour, and no lie, I videoed it because I just couldn't believe it. I just could not believe it. I'm standing getting just pummeled with marble-sized hail that just absolutely flattened everything. And we probably got maybe a half to three-quarters of an inch of torrential downpour in about 30-minute time span. Just destroyed everything. So that goes through, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So I start, I'm like, well, at this point, I've got no tracks. I've got no blood. I'm like, well, let me start. Because I always, you know, everybody talks about start doing circles and loops. and that. Yes, I will always do that. However, for me, it's worked in the past where I say, okay, here's a trail. Here's the direction of travel. Okay, what across the landscape looks like a potential bedding area or sanctuary area? Where could they go to bed? where they can feel safe, watch their back trail, how are they going to move, and I will, I will oftentimes, if I can identify some of those places, I'll just go right there first. I'll sneak into those places first, kind of give them a look, nope, nothing there, okay. Uh, there's another good likely spot, I'll go there and I'll look, nope. And then if those don't pan out, that's when I just get back and I'll just start kind of just organized wandering is about, about I'll bet you could, all about, about all you can do in some of this area with the blowdowns and just how nasty it is in there. So I started on that, and here comes round number two, thunderstorm. I weather that one. A few hours later, or not, not even a few hours later, probably 45 minutes to an hour later, here comes round number three, and I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. And it just that's just what the day was. It was just nothing but just torrential downpour on one after the other after the other, and I spent the entire day in there looking, so I spent that day, that an afternoon, evening, the next day, 
looking, and I mean, just no, it's just nothing, nothing. Got some friends in there that are hunting. I've, I've not, they, no, no one, not nobody's found or seen or heard anything. We have no idea. I think the only, I think there's a there's a patch on the mountain that is just absolutely impenetrable. The blowdowns, the rock, the grass, the locust, just nasty thorns. It's just impenetrable without a machete or it, you just can't get, you just can't go there. The problem is is he was bedded right on the edge of that and I called him out of it. So my gut tells me he probably turned and went smack dab and it's a probably a several hundred acre patch, just steep, nasty, blow down, ugly. You can't see five yards in front of you. But it's just littered with elk trails and just, I mean, the elk just go in there because they know that nothing can follow them in there. And I think that's where he went. And So I don't know if he's dead. I have no confirma- confirmation that he's dead. We've all seen that, you know, um, the elk have survived some pretty incredible stuff. Um, maybe if that arrow, maybe the arrow, you know, just poked through and didn't fall out where I could find it, but yet when he went into that thick nasty, it pulled the arrow out. If that's the case, then he very well may still be running around up there, but it was the, just the high and back, you know, the high ribs, high and back of the ribs. Yeah. Um, and it just sucks. I think in, you know, me sitting back looking at it, there is no excuse. There is there's no other explanation other than I just wanted it to do badly. I just wanted it too badly, and, and I and it wasn't that I wanted. And here's the honest truth: it wasn't that I wanted to meet that badly. I think it was. There's no way I'm going to lose. There's no way I am going to go two weeks in an area where I know how to hunt. I know that there's bulls in here. I know that there's elk in there. I'm not going to go two weeks and not be able to put something in front of me. And so finally, when I do, it's like. I just, I don't know what the heck happened, Jay. I swear it. I just, I, it's one of those things where I just sit there and I'm like, goodness gracious, Chris. So you just, uh, let, let me ask you a couple questions. You, you say you broke two major rules. You broke yeah. them, you know, expertly you broke them. <laughs> yeah. And you wanted it bad. What do you think triggered to not fall back into your normal routine. I mean, you've never lost a I don't know. before. So, I don't so know. it's not like you can put your finger, it just happened, it all happened fast, and you just, it. you didn't go through your it, process, or you didn't, it just, you know. I, I don't know, that's exactly it, I don't know. I think, you know, it was, I, I wanted it so badly, I was all red, I'm, I, I think what, and, he, and this is this, this is the thing, you know. There's the adage, you know, fast is slow and slow is fast. When you're when you're trying to do some things under stressful conditions, fast is slow, slow is fast. If you try to rush, you're going to make mistakes and it's just going to slow you down. But if you take your time and slow down, you're actually going to be quick. And I think that's kind of what the situation was. Here it is. I'm three miles back in. It's right. a nasty last day. Last, night. last day. I'm already past my. I shouldn't have gone up in the canyon anyway. And, and it's probably nothing more than pride that I, I wanted to go after that six by six. So here I am. I'm going up into a canyon. I just passed a bull that a lot of people would love to have had in a slam dunk spot. I mean, it was a 30-minute pack job to my truck. 
that's, I mean, it was one of those things where I, I'm like, why didn't you just shoot that bull, Chris? If you, wanted, if you wanted to kill something and you wanted to have it, you should have just killed that bull. But nope, I wanted to go after the 6x6. Six six. So there was a little bit of greed, greed in that, which I'm ashamed of. But I, you know, I wanted that 6x6. Six six. I wanted to go after that mature bull, which I don't mind going after mature bulls. But here it is the last day. I don't need to be going three miles back up in the nastiest stinking canyon on the mountain. But yet I did. And so I gave myself a cutoff to where I was going to say, oh, sorry, there's another call coming in, but sorry about that. It might beep on you. But um, I went where I shouldn't have gone, and then I gave myself a time cutoff when I needed to stop hunting, and then I violated that because I just wanted, I just wanted that animal. And then when it finally came in, when it finally came in, rather than, slowing down and just zipping him through the heart, which he would have piled at the bottom of the hill. I just rushed trying to, you know, I'm not going to stop the bull. I'm just going to boom. As soon as he walks through that hole, I'm going to bam, shoot him. Well, that doesn't work, and I know it doesn't work, but, man, I just, I mean, my mind just went to just reaction, just, Jerk the trigger, shoot him now, and it just and it, it's one of those things where as soon as it as soon as I did it, it wasn't it wasn't like one of those things where I had to think about it. As soon as I did it, and I watched that arrow come out, and I was like, "What did you just do?" And I mean, have it, you ever yeah, looked, it, have you ever shot a bull? Have you ever shot at anything? And then you ask yourself, "I don't even think I looked through my peep sight." I've done that. Before. Oh. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, and that's the thing is, you know, sometimes, you know, you'll hear some people say, oh, yeah, I, I know everything about every, I'm, I'm, you know, I centered the peep, or I centered the, centered the site housing on the peep and then centered the, you know, I, yeah, there's times where I have done that. On my mule deer hunt, you know, that, that mule deer I killed at, at 60, oh, I remember that. I remember that vividly. I remember pull back, getting everything lined up perfect. I remember that that pin was sat on that deer so solid. It was like somebody else was holding my arm. I mean, I, I've never held a pin that steady in my life. So I remember that. But most of the time, I pull back. I just look right at the animal. I'm like, boom, that pin, his heart is right there. And it just, it's done. It just, the arrow's, the arrow's done and you zip him and, he, and it's over. But it's when I am controlled yeah. and when I've stopped him, or, I, or more importantly, they typically stop right in the doorway. When they're stopped and I'm controlled, there's, it's, it's a dead animal. There's just no two ways about it. It's a dead animal. I just didn't do that this time. And so, well, you've shot stopped. a lot of them and done it for a long time and did never have lost one. It's, it's too bad that it happened. Um, yeah, but, but yeah, I, it, it, it sucks that it happened. But, you know, quite honestly, um, I think the best lessons come from those people that have experienced it. So maybe, maybe I had to have a humbling lesson to kind of wake myself up again and say, "Hey, you know, yeah, I don't know. I, it's just it's a suck deal." I look at all, I look back on a bunch of things, bunch of just poor decisions that I made, and I can say, "Well, I was tired, I was exhausted, it was two weeks of grinding." You know, that's fine. But the fact is, I I know when I I I remember rationalizing the decision. That's right. the issue. I knew I shouldn't have been going up there. I knew when I passed on the bull that morning, I was like, you're a dumb, yeah, blank. You're a, you're a dumb, beep, 
because that was a slab dunk easy. He was a small five by five. He's probably a two and a half year old bull. But meat in the freezer, done, baby. And it was about a thirty minute pack out, done. But no, I want to go after that big six by six. <laughs> Chris, oh. let's take a quick break here. I want to uh, thank the sponsors of the podcast. I want to thank GoHunt.com, the gear shop. Cody Nelson is the new optics manager there. He's the glassing guru, the optics authority. And he has promised me that he is going to take care of the J. Scott Outdoors podcast listeners when it comes to buying any optics, whether it be binos, spotting scopes, uh, rifle scopes, tripods, any of the stuff in the gear shop at GoHunt.com. You can call Cody at 702-847-8747, extension 2, or you can email Cody at optics at GoHunt.com. I want to thank GoHunt for their sponsorship. I also want to thank Kuyu, that's K-U-I-U.com, for their sponsorship of the podcast. Obviously, I've been running the tribute series uh, to Jason Harrison, the founder, my friend, who passed away about a week ago, and uh, tragically, and the whole hunting community has um, just uh, been mourning the loss of Jason, and, and it's it's been a real wake-up call to a lot of people, and it's so unfortunate. Uh, but I want to thank Kuyu for their sponsorship. They make the best ultralight hunting gear on the market. Go to KUIU.com to check out their new products. They just released their new Kenai, uh, all the new Kenai products, which is the synthetic uh, insulation, and um, you can wear it. Uh, wear down uh, is going to get clammy when you're walking and stuff. This Kenai... Uh, it allows it to breathe, and you don't get clammy. You don't get. Um, it, it's just a lot better for active wear. Check out Kuyu.com, and then Canyon Coolers. Uh, Canyon Coolers use the J Scott promo code. You're going to get a 10% discount on all orders there at CanyonCoolers.com. Chris, uh, you moved from Colorado, uh, hunting up there, then uh, to doing some guiding in Arizona in Unit Nine. Uh, talk a little bit about when you got there, conditions, uh, and then through the first handful of days and, and um, you know, how, how the bull's reacting. And then with that, when you tell the story of, of your success there, um, talk about what anybody that would be listening to this podcast is going to be facing, uh, you know, going up, uh, you know, today being Friday, going up for, you know, for the, this last weekend or going up for the last, you know, six, seven days of the hunt? Yeah, when we, uh, when we got down here, it was, and actually, um, I haven't even gotten a chance to get across the whole unit because there was a couple of the areas that I just traditionally like uh, to hunt. Came in and, and looked, and man, they've gotten a really good rainstorm. I think they were saying up about that Labor Day weekend, they got a really good rain and so when i drove through a lot of the places the feed looked really i and I've, I've heard you and other podcasts other people talk about this in a lot of the places the grass looked really really good some are better than others obviously but man across a lot of the area man the, the grass just looked really really good and there were some places where man they just every you know depression in the road every tire track every cattle track i mean you just there was water scattered everywhere, and you could see that the bulls were definitely wallowing in every little mud hole that they could find. Uh, as the opening day 
started and, and we, you know, just the first couple of days before the season and then as the first couple of days of the season rolled in, the best thing that I, the easiest thing I could say is we were, it was almost like we were in a pre, pre-rut mode. I mean, um, cows were still in, in fairly decent sized groups with calves and, and spikes. Uh, maybe there was a couple little raghorns with them, you know, tagging along, but uh, other bulls were just were off in their either bachelor groups or off on their own. Uh, man, there was just a lot of sparring going on. Not a lot of talking, but a lot of sparring going on. And you literally, you could sit there and look at a bull, and you could bugle at him, and he might pick his head up and look at you. He might bugle at you if you're close enough. And then he'll go right back to feeding, or you cow call to him, and he'll just pick his head up, look, Go right back to feed and just mind his own business. You just really, I mean, they were on a pre-rut. They were still on summer mode in some of these areas. And then, you know, you get a couple days into it, and it seemed like, okay, now things are starting to heat up a little bit. The, the sparring is, is picking up, but it, you can tell it's getting a little bit more intense. We're starting to get a little bit more bugling at times. Uh, every now and then you'll see a big, you know, more mature bull pop up, and wait a minute, oh, he's got a couple, he's following a couple cows. But I filmed a, just a smoker of a bull out in a big meadow with a handful of cows, and I'm thinking there was another bull out there with him, and there, he was bugling. But I'm thinking, okay, he's got cows, and he's, you know, okay, let me try to get out. I'm going to try to get as close as I can. Let me see if I can't call him. Let me see. If, he couldn't care less. He got out way out there. The cows, I did he started going out across this big, wide-open flat. I couldn't follow him without being seen, so I let him get out there. But he's going to get disappear into the trees, and, and the coyotes cut loose out there. And I thought, you know, that might not be a bad opportunity. You know, just start screaming on a mouth diaphragm, sound like a calf in distress. Maybe, you know, a calf got, you know, is being harassed by a, a couple coyotes. See if I can't get those cows to kick in that maternal instinct and see if I can get those cows to turn around and come back and see if I can't get that bull to come back my way. Got the cows too. Oh, it worked marvelous. I got the footage of it. I've videoed. Here she comes. I mean, that, the the one cow that got the closest. I mean, she got in. Heck, I don't know, twenty twenty five yards. She comes smoking all the way back, several hundred yards across that thing. That bull turned, looked, watched the cows turn around and, and walk away from him. He was like, eh, deal with it, whatever. <laughs> and he just he just turned and kept walking in his direction. He bugled a couple more times and then disappeared in the trees and then shut up and it was done. I've, we spent several more days trying to find him, and just uh, nothing. Now, all of a sudden, he just vanished. So it's just been it's been kind of hit or miss on on the activity. Um, it, it and it really is. I mean, it, um, I think I I listened to your podcast with Phil uh, Kramer. I think he I think he nailed it, Jay. Seriously, as far as what you know, what we're seeing up here, um, it's gotten hot. It's gotten dry. Now, we did get a rainstorm the other day, but it was spotty. So some of the areas in the unit didn't even get hit. Some areas got dumped on. But a lot of the vegetation in, in some areas you can definitely see is starting to get that grayish-green color to it. The tips are starting to turn brown. It's you know kind of getting real thin and just dried up. But yet you get back into some of these little swales some of the little shadier areas under the trees, and whether that's the pines or whether we're talking about the big mature, you know, you, and in Unit 9 there's some places where you get some really big uh, pinion juniper stuff. If you can get back into some of those areas where it's shady and the grass is still good, then, yeah, th then you can definitely see the, the, 
you'll definitely find some elk there. But a lot of the mud is drying up. So all those little mud holes started drying up, and you just started getting these just wild swings of movement, typically. And, you you know, you can out here, for those who have not hunted out here, uh, there's two types of water sources. There's ones, there's those stock ponds that they call tanks. That's uh, just a big dirt pond that holds water. Or you have those wildlife catchments, so basically the wildlife trick tanks that they're called. So it's a uh, little drinker. Well, typically when you start moving towards the rut, bulls like to wallow and they like to go cool off and roll around and it's kind of a social thing. So they usually, most of the time, you'll see them start to transition from trick tanks and just you know, water that they want during the day to they'll move to those dirt tanks. Well, they did that, but then those dirt tanks started drying up. So now you get movement some back to some trick tanks. You've got movement. I've been watching some elk that are moving two miles from where they're bedding and feeding to where they're getting water. So it's 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 going to be kind of a crapshoot when someone comes out this week because the, the water that they had last week may not be there. The elk that were feeding out in those meadows that they had last week may not be there. We just went. We just got done today uh, checking an area where we killed an elk uh, a few days ago. We went back out there this morning just to see if we can get back into some and just see what's. It's it's dried up, and I mean all the tracks are are a few days old, and I mean we it was just crickets. I mean we covered serious ground this morning, and there wasn't a peak. And then talking to a couple other folks in, in camp, no, they did the same thing. They got in a couple little small bulls, but it was quiet. But they just weren't where they had been. Everything's moving. So so has the bugling be been, I mean, so far, you know, basically a week into it, has the bugling been really slow? It's pathetic. And it, and it makes sense because you can even – Again, we've talked about this. Unit 9 butts up against the Grand Canyon National Park. The National Park, you can't hunt, obviously, so there are a bunch of elk that know that that's a refuge. But you can drive through the park, and you can sit there and look at cows standing right off the road. There are some cows that are pretty good-looking. I mean, they're filled out, and you really can't see any ribs, and they're, and they're kind of plump, and they look, they look good. They look healthy. They probably have that 9% body fat. But there are other cows, brother, that, I mean, you can still see the ridge of their backbone. You can still see the hip bones kind of poking out a little bit. Their shoulders are very, very defined. You can kind of see that ridge bone of their shoulder blade. I mean, there's some cows out there that are still have a suppressed body condition. I think, you know, we talk about all the things that can, can affect a cow to cycle. The only one that really is going to push them late is, is body condition. And I really do think that we might be in a situation where, you know, kind of if you look at the bell-shaped curve of, you know, you'll have some cows come in to cycle early, you'll have a big pulse of cows cycling, and then you'll have some cows that cycle out late. I think that whole bell-shaped curve is going to push a little bit um, just, from, just from body condition. And I think the same thing was going on with bulls as well. You, some of the bulls look, I mean, I had a bull last night probably a five-year-old bull, um, great fronts, good mass. But, you know, like you guys had talked about before, about just, you know, this year a lot of the top end of their antlers kind of petered out. But this bull, I mean, he was a thick tank. He was looking good. But then you'll see other bulls that you're like, man, he's a little skinny. You know, his body condition's not that great. So I think, I think things kind of just 
started off a little slow, and I think they still are slow. But there's there's like flurries, there's little pockets, and if you're if you can find a good cow calf group and get in close to there, I think you're going to find those the little bit little bit more activity and a little bit more of a flurry of bugling and vocalizations because those but we just now are starting to see those big bulls show up and start making their play towards some of those cow-calf groups. And, and um, John the other night got some really great footage. We had that thunderstorm move through, cooled everything down, and then it broke. The, 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 the weather broke, and it was just a beautiful evening. Oh, he got into – he's got – I can't – I'm trying to convince him to share the video. He took it over his iPhone. I just – it was the most breathtaking footage I've ever seen with – the fall, or where the where the evening colors, you know, the sunset shining against these huge thunderheads, and he's got six bulls bugling in front of him. They were just going crazy, but it was just a flurry. They went back out there next morning, crickets, nothing. So you've you got talk these about you talk flurries. about antler growth. Um, in you know, is it a, is it a off across the board? You know, is John saying? Is everybody else saying that you know across the board the antler growth this year is way down? I think I think it's like eighty to ninety percent across the board, but then every now and then there's a bull that you're like, "Hello," you know. He he somehow they were you know this you know particular animal was able to pull it off, but I think I think across the board in general, yes. Um, depends on who you talk to. Some guys are just saying, "Ah, oh, we're only about twenty inches down." Some people are like, "Oh no, we're forty inches down." You know, but some of those, you know, we've I sent you a couple pictures of one particular bull. You know, yeah, he's way off from what he was last year. Last year he was this giant. This year he's essentially a really nice five. Um, but you've got the other thing that people need to consider when you're looking at some of these big bulls and these pictures that outfitters are showing you and everything else. Um, some of these are really old bulls. Yeah. You know, so you, so you got two things going. You got to already the be going downhill. Bingo, bingo. So on average, however, yeah, I'm seeing some really good body, like the bull I saw last night. That body condition, body size, I mean, huge, thick, max, huge, just muscle, tank, shoulders. I mean, he looked like it just, you know, when they get, you know, that five-year-old, when they start getting into their prime, but he was you know, a five point that was probably he might have been might have been a three hundred inch five point. Great front, good mass, decent thirds, and then just there it goes. You know, it just kind of whittles out to the back where he just didn't have much. So, from what you're seeing, I mean, do you think the early rifle and the muzzleloader hunts um, in Arizona are probably going to be right smack dab in the, into the action? I do, I do. I think things are going to get. Yeah, I mean, it's still been warm. I think things are just now starting to pick up. I mean, if we get a break in the weather, we've been just stuck on these high-pressure cycles here. If we get a break and we get some weather coming through, I think it will kick some things in gear. But I really do, Jay. I think that first part of October is just going to be incredible. What about um, broken antlers? Are you seeing any bulls broken or anything on trail cams broken? Yeah, they're starting to show up. They are. Um, the bull that we killed, uh, he was a, I mean, he was a younger age class bull, but yeah, he had a busted fourth and, um, some, I just heard somebody talk about the other day, they had a really good bull, uh, on camera and then found him the next day and he was just clean busted off his main beam. So I, they're, they're starting to get busted up. And like I said, 
last week, I mean, some of that sparring, there was no joke about it. It, was, it wasn't the friendly tickle spray. It wasn't knockdown, drag-out fights, but there were bulls that were, they were testing one another, and they were trying to figure out who was who. And so, yeah, it, they were getting into it a little bit, but, yeah, we're starting to see some busted-up times. Have you, um, I'm sure you've been busy, but have you seen any of the bulls that I've been posting on, uh, out here at the Ot 6? <laughs> yeah, you, uh, yeah, I, I think it's probably best if anybody has, yeah, just don't look at your Instagram feed until you, your hunt is over because of this <laughs> naked rule. Yeah, it, 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 like I said, it, it, you know, you and I had talked about it before. I was familiar with that ranch back in the day. And I knew what bulls it should be producing, and you know, so last year was kind of a down year for you guys. This year, it seems like goodness gracious, somebody let the bulls out of the cage. Yeah, I mean, I would say overall we don't have as many elk um, as we did last year. Of course, I didn't get here till October first last year, and you know, I got here September first. Um, the ranch wasn't even purchased till um, late September last year, so. Um, uh, you know, we were able to get a lot more cameras out and in a lot more locations, and I think we know the ranch better, so we're able to kind of hit a lot of those areas. And so, I mean, it's been really good. It's super dry. Like a lot of the people are saying, it's like the worst drought since 1918 around here, and um, so much so that um, our main uh, agricultural fields, um, Chris, you've been here right across from the kind of the main headquarters. We didn't even didn't even have enough water to um, run the uh, you know, ag fields at all, and um, I think from a numbers perspective, I think our numbers are down, um, but we've been surprised at some of the nice bulls that we have found, you know, with the drought, you know, basically hardly any moisture in the winter, um, you know, real droughty conditions, the antler growth seems to be pretty darn good. Um, there are some bulls that kind of have short beams, uh, and what have you, but uh, overall, we've been pretty excited uh, pr from what we've seen, for sure. Yeah, no, it, you've got some really, really good-looking bulls in there, and what I'm going to be very curious about, and you, and you just touched on, is the fact that last year, you kind of really started your monitoring in October, and you really didn't have a good baseline of what September looked like. My interest is going to be is, do the bulls you have on there now? stay all all through the fall or were they there last year yeah we just didn't but maybe they, maybe they move out at the end of september and then you just you're you know this october you end up with a similar situation what you saw last year that's going to be very interesting to see what kind of movement those yeah. animals are doing for sure it's been really neat to see both a bunch of bulls that we kind of identified last year are here again this year. And so um, whether they're resident bulls or whether they show up for the rut, you know, um, some is a little bit yet to be seen. But there are a bunch of bulls that we identified last year that, you know, we've got trail camera pictures all summer. And, you know, we're now watching them rut around in the same places where they were last year. So that from that aspect, it's pretty neat. And, um, yeah, so there's... There's a handful of bulls that we really enjoy seeing when, when they pop up, and um, so it's been fun. We've got uh, close to 150 trail cameras out, and it's um, kind of a full-time job just checking those between <laughs> Yeah, it is. That's a lot of camera cards to pull. Oh, man. So 
you're in Unit 9 and you're going to stay there, um, and then will you head back to Kansas to go chase whitetails? Because I know you've got some great bucks. What's the status? You know, what's your schedule? Yeah. Are you going to stay in Arizona and then head back to Kansas or what? Yeah, so my guy, uh, he filled his tag the other day, and so I'm just going to stick around. I'm going to help uh, John a little bit. I'm going to try to get some footage for the elk module and just try to just help the guys. that We've got a couple other guys in camp. Um, John has two clients. Uh, one of the one of the other guys that used to, what you know, typically is a guide, he drew a tag this year, so he, he's out hunting. So I'm going to stick around through the end of the season to help just kind of trying to find bulls and get footage. But uh, I am. I'm going to try to uh, try to get out of here. As soon as that's done, I'm going to smoke back to Kansas and literally dump the, the camper, hook up the flatbed trailer, load up the cedar, and I've got uh, some food plots that i got to put in for a handful of people. And I've got to just touch up a couple of mine get tree stands kind of figured, you know, just kind of get, uh, we've got a lot of the tree stands out already, just in, you know, the traditional places where we always have them, but just start kind of just get an inventory, get cameras out, start seeing who's around, what the crop rotation looks like as far as you are, or not rotation, but harvest looks like, and start rocking and rolling for whitetail season. It's going to be, a, it should be a good one. It should be a good one. Right on, man. Well, we'll have to do a follow-up after, um, this next week uh, up in Unit 9. The best days are coming ahead of you, and um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I appreciate the report. Uh, sorry for, um, you know, losing your first bull. You know, as many as you've shot, it's, it's you know, it's yeah. sad to say, but it was bound to happen eventually. And um sounds like you, you definitely have, you, you know, the humility to say that you, you know, you, you broke a couple of your own rules and, and a lot of people wouldn't own up to that. So I appreciate you doing that and I know the listeners do and I know how much value yeah. they get from from row hunting resources and, and um, everything that's, you know, here on the podcast. Well, no, I, I appreciate you having me on. It was, it's good to talk with you and, and just visit with you. So yeah, let's, absolutely, let's do another one here maybe at the beginning of October and or end of the end of the month, just to see what this next week brings, because it, it could turn completely around and just come wide open, or it might just linger on with the same. So it'll be interesting to see. Sounds good. I want to give you a chance to let the listeners know how they can find out more about you. So why don't you do that now? Yeah, no, just Row Hunting Resources, R-O-E, Hunting Resources. You can follow on Instagram. Uh, Facebook, all that, uh, and then YouTube channel, our website, all of it, just rowhuntingresources.com. Yeah, I've kind of been, <laughs> you know, I've kind of been at it these past three three weeks or so. I haven't posted that much. I need to start. I've got a bunch of pictures. i got some stuff to post, but it's just been nice to be kind of an anonymous for these last couple of weeks <laughs> as we just grind away. But, yeah, that's where all the stuff is. And then for the for those people that are subscribers, uh, the Elk Module guys, I know we've got a bunch of forum posts. I'm going to start hammering away at trying to provide some answers for those guys that are hitting the last weekend of Colorado season. So, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll probably post a few of those too as well today. So just keep keep tabs on that. But no, that's the best. Play. Instagram is probably the best, and then followed by Facebook. Um, I'm not on Twitter per se that much, but yeah, Instagram, Facebook, and then YouTube and the website. So 
Right on. Well, to all those guys out there headed up to Arizona and finishing up in Colorado and these other states, uh, the guys that are rifle hunting in Utah, from my perspective here, the last couple days, um, it's kind of cooled off here now, and, and it should rip here the last week. So um, get after them. And, uh, Chris, I thank you for your time, and thank you for sharing with us, and look look forward to seeing your success this week. And tell John hello and tell him he, he still owes me a podcast, and I'm sure he'll get a big, I will. Kick, big kick out of that one. I, I will. I will. I'm going to see him here shortly. <laughs> he, he said he would do a podcast if Monty would do one on shed hunting, and Monty said absolutely not, so I'll, I'll have to bend John, John's arm the next time I see him. Exactly. All right, brother. All right, buddy. Take care. All right. Bye.